and Trees asks that a tree canopy study using 2017 methodology be included in the CAP budget for 2023 to evaluate Shoreline's tree canopy and perhaps steps to protect the tree canopy will then be taken. Thank you. Thank you. And I believe that concludes public comment, correct? Right. All right, next up is the consent calendar, Deputy Mayor. I move approval of the consent calendar. Second that. Council Member Roberts. Aye. Council Member Mork. Aye. Council Member Ramsdell. Aye. Mayor Scully. Aye. Council Member Poby. Aye. Deputy Mayor Robertson. Aye. Council Member McConnell. Aye. Thank you. Next up is study item 8A, which is review of the proposed uh, biennial budgets and uh, capital improvement plan. Ms. Terry, are you taking the lead on this? Uh, yes, Sarah Lane, our Administrative Services Director, and I are going to partner on this. So I'm going to take the first few slides and then she'll take the rest of them. Um, and she will um, take control of the slides. Nothing's up and you're muted. Yeah, I think she's trying to bring up this. Yeah. Okay, I am getting to the share screen. My apologies. It is. No worries at all. I to show the one I want. So one second, I'm going to stop trying to share and try again. There we go. Can you see that now? Yes, thank you, Sarah. All right, so um, tonight's agenda really is to present uh, the city manager's proposed budget to the city council. And this is something that you'll be reviewing over the next several weeks. Um, and again, the budget is such an important um, uh, policy document both from the city council perspective and from the city manager perspective, because it helps us to identify what are the priorities that the council wants us to accomplish with the resources that you're gonna allocate for the next two years. And so uh, tonight I'll highlight some of the recommendations that you will see and also the budget um, process and schedule. Uh, you may think this sounds very sim similar to what you heard in kind of the preview in, in September, and it's because it is. Uh, but now we'll actually be going through the document itself. And I do want to say that, and I know Sarah is going to highlight this a little bit later, the actual document, um, we are still um, putting the last minute touches on that. We're very hopeful to have the document completed by um, end of Wednesday. So having that transmitted to you all and to the public um, electronically um, by Thursday is our goal. Um, We've been without our uh, budget and tax manager position since early spring. And so I just wanna do a shout out for the staff that have been working very hard to kind of fill that gap and um, doing all the work to, to make the budget happen this year. Uh, so one thing that is common is that, you know, there's a lot of different plans that the city adopts. And in fact, over the next couple of years, the city council will be spending a lot of time um, looking at the updates to many of those documents including our parks, recreation, and open space plan, our transportation master plan, our surface water, and our wastewater master plans. All those, along with our comprehensive plan, kind of set the overall vision of the city. And with it, 
with that in mind, uh, as you all know, the council meets on an annual basis to look at your goals and your action steps that really implement these plans over the long term. And as we, uh, as council identifies that, then we take all that information into account as staff works to develop a recommended budget, a capital improvement program, a transportation improvement program. And once that's adopted, then we take um, the, the priorities out of all of those documents and, and incorporate that into our work plans, both at a citywide level, department base, and then to our individual um, staff positions. So overall, what you will find the 2023-2024 biennial budget does is to allocate our financial and staffing resources uh, so that we can deliver the public services and uh, meet our organizational goals that our community um, so uh, desires. And obviously, the reason we deliver those public services is for the purpose of making sure that Shoreline continues to be a good place for people to live. It's a place where people want to make investment, whether that's private or public investment. As you know, our uh, community members earlier this year approved uh, um, a bond measure to improve uh, parks. And we're seeing lots of development happening in some of our commercial areas. So Shoreline has continued to be a place where people want to make investment to make it better. It's also a place where we want to make sure that those public services that we provide, whether it's keeping uh, parks um, enjoyable, uh, aesthetically pleasing, safe, whether it's keeping our signals operating correctly for traffic, uh, you know, whatever that be is, we realize that people do pay taxes and they don't get to decide whether or not to pay those, they pay them and they should get value for that. Just like I go to the store, you go to the store to buy something. We want to make, ensure that our uh, public in the city of Shoreline is getting that value. And so we try to demonstrate that through the work we do and how we allocate resources to our budget. Uh, we want to make sure that our organizational um, strength continues. And most of all, we want to make sure that we have fiscal sustainability. And we talk a lot about that as staff as we try to take a longer term outlook and when we make budget recommendations and as the council makes those budget decisions to ensure that we can sustain our commitments over time. So the 2023-2024 biennial budget um, totals just under or just a little over 358 million for the two years. Um, uh, about half of that is within our operating budget, which is going to total about 125.6 million. And um, the other piece of that is our capital budget, which is about a, a little over 135 million. The city's continue to maintain its uh, S&P, Standard & Poor uh, bond rating of AA+. It also has a uh, rating of a financial outlook as stable. We've had 25 years of unmodified financial statement audit opinions from the state auditor's office. And for uh, the last 21 years, uh, we've been certified for the Government Finance Officers Association um, budget awards. So I think that the city council has really um, strived to adopt financial policies and uh, hopefully the work that staff has done is reflective of that. So at a glance, what will the budget do? Obviously it provides resources for priority services and um, helps us to maintain the funding for those. Um, we continue to implement the council's policy on human service funding. We've moved to 1% of general fund revenues. Um, that was a uh, gradual transition to that. And so we see, we're seeing a much higher investment in human service funding 
um, now than we did just a few years ago. It continues to address those high pri council priorities through your council goal setting workshop and action steps. Uh, it implements uh, many of our master plans and you will see in the capital budget, um, the investment to make those 2022 park bond projects come to fruition. And it also follows our uh, financial policies. And you will see that um, the budget that you'll be receiving uh, does not assume passage of the levy lid lift for this biennium, um, but it uh, will. It does provide for a recommendation if that levy lid lift does pass by voters in November for some amendments, at least that I would recommend the council consider making. Um, obviously, our long-term financial picture is much different with or without that levy lid lift passage, um, but uh, I just wanted to make that clear. And then, uh, as you may recall, during the discussions that happened it, at the February or the March, actually, um, Council Goal Setting Workshop, um, there are some needs for our, our technology and human resource support and some of our recreation programming. Um, there are some of those items that are not included in this, uh, uh, the base budget, but would be something that I would recommend the council consider um, amending the budget if the levy lid lift does pass. We did have a study earlier this year on looking at our technology workload and a recommendation um, by that consultant that we should look at increasing our uh, FTE count and our IT department by 2.75. And so I would recommend at least an, one additional staffing if the levy lid lift does pass. And in addition, um, within our HR department, as you will see in our performance measures as part of the budget, we have seen a substantial increase of employee to HR um, ratio as a number of uh, different things have happened over the years, including bringing our, you know, our Ronald wastewater staff to be part of the shoreline staff. We've started our in-house ground maintenance program and plus a number of other positions that have been added over time and we have not added within our uh, HR department. Uh, one thing, a couple things that we you will see in the priorities that Sarah is going to hit on that are included in the budget is um, some priorities that the council had identified in that we look at expanding um, our radar program as part of the uh, work that we are doing with the five cities throughout North King County to make this a uh, mobile crisis um, response uh, team that allows us to have 24-7 coverage um, and that will provide for more resources to work with our first responders when they are responding to people in behavioral crisis. And so that funding is, in, or that uh, funding for that program is included. Also, as we look at getting closer to light rail starting to, to operate, um, the creation of a parking enforcement program has been one of the mitigation measures the council had previously identified. We also have included funding in there for um, providing a compensation for our boards and commission meeting or uh, members, um, as was discussed by the council. Um, and uh, you'll see that we have uh, found a way to increase our uh, park maintenance uh, staffing by one. And also uh, we've got um, some money in there to at least uh, increase some uh, FTE allocation for our recreation programming staff person who works on our adult recreation programming. It obviously doesn't meet all the needs, as I already mentioned. Um, we do have some additional needs still for our um, technology and HR department. 
Also, most recently, um, we found out that uh, the YMCA was going to stop participating and providing staffing to help in our in the hang time programming that's been a, a joint partnership uh, with our middle schoolers. Um, and so we are going to, or I am proposing in the 23-24 uh, budget that we use some of the ARPA funding to continue to make that program whole for the next biennium. And we could actually do it again in 25-26, but at some point in time, we will need to determine um, or look at some funding if we wanna continue that program for our middle schoolers um, to, to make some uh, ongoing funding allocated for that purpose. And obviously all the needs that we have in our capital program, although many are, are going to be funded, there's always more needs than there is money to um, get all the projects done. So with that, I am gonna turn it over to uh, Sarah Lane to do some of the budget highlights. Thank you, um, Debbie. And I am going to um, cover just the highlights here because we will be having several opportunities to do a deeper dive. And we'll talk more about that schedule coming up. But so if if this seems um, like the tip of the iceberg, it, it is. Um, anyway, we'll start off with the, um, the big picture on resources. So we have um, $364 million of resources over the biennium for all funds. And those include our use of fund balance in some of the funds, um, as well as all of the other revenue sources that we have, including you know, taxes, um, intergovernmental revenues, licenses, grants. So every funding source um, coming in. And then the expenditure budget is um, just over 358 million, as, as was mentioned earlier. And that covers all of the city services in every fund. And the difference between those two numbers is some addition to fund balance that is in some of the funds that are saving for future purposes, such as our um, you know, equipment replacement fund and in, the, um, in some of our bond funds where we're, we're saving some money for future purposes. So when we dive into the operating budget, um, we see that those that is usually covering just our general fund and our street fund. And the total on that is around $126 million. And um, it, it is generally focused here on um, the general fund at 118 million with the street fund being just under 5 million. So we do see there that we are anticipating the um, use of fund balance in the gender, general fund, and that is primarily to support investments um, that support council priorities um, and to support some capital purchases in the future. So looking at our property tax, um, as was mentioned, we are not assuming the, um, the passage of the levy lid lift on November 8th. So at the, um, if the levy lid lift does not pass, we're looking at a um, property tax levy for the biennium of about $31 million. Um, however, if that um, vote, which is on the ballot on November 8th passes, council would have the opportunity to reset the rate up to a rate of $1.39. We'll have more information on that for our discussion on November 7th where we should have um, much better property valuation um, estimates so that council could make a decision on what the appropriate rate would be um, to support our 10-year financial sustainability model. 
um, looking at the property tax allocation, it's important to remember that the city of Shoreline is just one of many um, agencies that are um, that our residents are paying property tax to. And in 2022, a resident pays about 11 cents of every dollar of their property tax dollar to the city of Shoreline to support all of the services that we provide. So as we look at our um, FTE summary over the um, biennium, we are anticipating that we would add a total of about 3.04 FTE, and that happens over time. So in the in 2023, we would be adding, um, we're proposing to add, as was mentioned, a um, parks maintenance worker that would be partially funded by capital, um, the capital program to, in, to support our urban forestry program, and then partially supported by the conversion of extra help to support park, park maintenance. It also includes the addition of a, um, a functional analyst to support two new applications that are needed to support our parking management program that will be implemented in this biennium, as well as an application that would replace our very aging and fragile capital planning model and project management tool. So that functional analyst would support the addition of those two applications. Um, those would be added in 2023. There's also the reduction of some um, of our light rail staffing as that project begins to wind down in 2023. Then moving on to 2024, we see the addition of two additional positions to support our parking management program, and then more, um, more staff that would continue to decrease on the light rail project um, so that we end up with a total staffing of 211.5 um, at the end of 2024. As we look at personnel cost changes, um, there are several drivers that are impacting um, personnel costs. Um, one of the primary one is our desire to stay competitive and maintain our position um, in our salary schedule at the median of our, um, of our region, regional comparative um, cities. And so that market study um, is being conducted or has been conducted and is being incorporated into the proposed budget. Um, there's also cost of living adjustments being proposed in the budget. Um, we have um, proposed the 7.76 for 2023 and are anticipating um, or projecting a increase again in 2024. We also do see some increases in our benefits, um, benefit rates. And of course, there are those changes, the addition of FTEs, as well as the reductions of other of the limited term positions as they, um, as they go away. So when we look at our comparison of staffing levels for the city of Shoreline, this chart unfortunately does compare 2021. Um, we don't have updated information for all of these cities. But um, we see that in 2021, we were at 2.61 FTE with the additions um, and our change in population, that rate would go up to 2.9. And you would see that even if all the other cities didn't add any staff, we would still be at the median um, at 2.9 per 1,000 residents. 
So looking at our 10-year forecast, um, this chart has been updated to, to include all of the um, proposed items in the proposed budget. And um, it, it looks similar to the one that you saw back in September, but there is a slight, a slight shift in that um, we, while we do have a shortfall in the biennium without the levy lid lift, and we would still need to have use of fund balance to balance this biennium without the levy lid lift, um, that shortfall was reduced to about just over $300,000. We do, however, have a significant shortfall in all the remaining years. And should the levy lid lift not pass, staff would return to council with options for how to address that um, shortfall, which really would um, generally mean um, a reduction of services or finding other revenue to fill that hole. Looking at the forecast, if the levy lid lift um, does pass, we do see that we um, that we would have revenues exceeding expenditures for the majority of the six-year levy lid lift um, with that balance happening in 2027, um, where expenditures would start to rise above the um, above the revenues at that at that point. Now, of course, recognizing that we do budget somewhat conservatively, we've also created a, a model that would say, well, if our expenditures ended up coming in under, um, under budget by at 99% of budget, um, you see that that actually pushes the balance out almost to the end of 2028. So, um, and that's probably a fair picture of what would happen um, in reality, since we do know that generally our expenditures come in slightly under budget and our revenue slightly higher than budget. As we shift to our capital budget, we are looking at about $135 million of capital budget. Those are our um, major capital funds with um, transportation um, projects, adding at about 91 million and our facilities and parks projects at um, you know, just over 43.5 million. That is of course representing a lot of those parks bond projects that will be implemented during this biennium. Looking at our enterprise to enterprise funds, this is actually our um, surface water enterprise fund and that has a budget of almost 28 and a half million dollars. And with an enterprise fund, this covers both the operating and the capital expenditures. Um, so we see that the capital expenditures in um, this fund are about 40% of that budget. And then looking at our wastewater fund, which has, this is the first year that we have had the full, or the first biennium where we've had the, the full biennium of costs from the wastewater fund. And um, we see that is at $54.3 million. So looking at ahead at the process, as I mentioned, this um, we'll have plenty of time to, um, to jump into more details beginning with October 17th, next Monday, we will start looking individually at the department budgets and you'll get to hear from each of the departments about the changes in their budget and the programs that they are um, proposing. We'll continue that discussion on um, October 24th. So on the 17th, you'll hear from all of the departments except for Public Works. On October 24th, Public Works will um, 
will be prime time for department presentations, and they will also then present the um, CIP budgets. And then we begin our public hearings on November 7th, where we will focus on revenue sources. So that's when we will be di diving into the additional information we have about the levy lid lift. Of course, we won't know the outcome because voters won't have cast their ballot by then, but we will have more information about um, assessed valuation and such at that time. We will also have our first um, public hearing on the proposed budget and um, dive into to more details um, as well. Then the second public hearing on November 14th, followed by adoption of the, um, the budget and the CIP, as well as our um, property tax levy and fee schedule on November 21st. So as um, Ms. Terry mentioned, we um, are still producing the, um, the, by the budget book and we'll, um, our goal is to have that finalized Wednesday so we can get that um, posted and to council um, Thursday or Friday at the latest. And those books then once they're published would be available on CD at the, um, at the downstairs at, um, in city hall. So in conclusion, we think that the 23-24 budget does support your goals as well as the community's priorities. Um, it maintains our um, strong financial position and reserve position. It invests in um, priority projects around parks, um, transportation system, our utilities, both wastewater and surface water, and it provides service levels that continue to benefit the entire community and respond to the, um, the desires of the community be expressed in their, um, in the community survey. It does not, however, satisfy all of the needs um, that the community has expressed or that um, the organization has identified. So before I jump into um, opening, turning it back to you, Mayor, for questions, I wanted to, to actually remind some of you and um, share with the new members how we um, are going to approach our questions again this year. We're going to continue with what's worked well, which is our council question matrix. So as you present questions to us, either tonight or via email in the coming weeks, um, staff will put those into a matrix. And our goal will be every Friday to release the update to the council question matrix, where we've responded to as many of those questions as possible. I do want to say that there are times where it takes us more than a week to get an answer to a question, but we certainly do our best to get those turned around as quickly as possible um, during, during the budget deliberation time. So with that, I would turn it back to you, Mayor, to, for any questions you might have. Thank you, Ms. Lane and Ms. Terry. Questions from Council? Thank you, Ms. Lane. Great. Uh, in, in the staff report, a lot of details in there, which makes it more even exciting to look at and glance through. Um, just want to clarify or, you know, educate us, uh, me in particular, more on this. With the, uh, on the CIP, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, the CIP program summary, 2023 20, and 24, are those, um, Park projects already prioritized because from the previous discussions that we've had with CIPs, 
they were staff was going to go back prioritize the project and then um now we, we begin to see numbers so i'm just curious about that yes the um those numbers already include projects that have been prioritized based upon the plans that are in place and feedback we have received from council so when you receive the book you'll get more details about about which projects have been included um, in those numbers every every project will have a page and and it should be very clear about what what is planned um, during that during both 23 24 and then in the coming you know the full six-year cip period thank you uh, the, the, the second one will be I missed the amount. Was it three hundred thousand from uh, fund balance to balance the budget for this year? I mean, um, for, for twenty for the biennium, it's it's about three hundred fifty-eight thousand, so just over three hundred thousand. Okay, thank you. Other questions or comments? No. Councilor Moore. Uh, the climate action plan. Uh, numbers are they going to be included in this or how does how does that work that is a very good question i i do not have the details on what exactly has been included in the climate action plan in this budget but my typically what happens is the plan happens and then the implementation of that plan is the next step um, identifying exactly what the costs are. So, but I might ask um, Ms. Terry if she has any more insight or we can add that to the council question matrix. I think we could do a little bit of both. Um, we do have some money in the budget for, you know, some of the work that we have been doing and anticipate coming out of the climate action plan. Um, I know earlier this evening, I heard somebody questioning council consider, you know, a uh, a canopy study. We don't have that in this biennium because we had planned that that would happen in the next biennium. And that was the agreement when we did the last one. So that's an example, but there may be some other actions that come out of the climate action plan that council ultimately adopts that may require some, uh, what I would call budget amendment uh, type of language, because we don't want to get ahead of where the council may go with that climate action plan. So yeah. that's it. Other questions or comments? All right, well, I, I have just one thing I wanna flag early on. It's it's department specific, but I thought it would be helpful to get on the matrix now. And the core question is whether we need to allocate more funding to permit processing staff and also to public education on when a permit is needed. And I don't know about the rest of your inboxes, but mine has more complaints from folks either saying, why does it take so long to get a permit? Or folks saying, why am I being fined for something I didn't know I needed a permit for? We invested a significant amount of money in, in track it. And I think there's another technology solution a while ago. I, I think we've probably done what we can with tech and systems. I know that department is totally committed to as fast a turnaround as possible and they're doing what they can. My suspicion is we need more bodies at the counter processing permits. And my question is whether, whether that's right and whether we should build that in. Given how tight the budget is without levy lid lift, that would probably be a, do we need to add a couple FTEs if the levy lid lift passes? Um, but I, but I would love for uh, Ms. Markle to provide us some detailed information on that when it comes time for her department to uh, to to present. Thank you. I got it. Yeah, we can way. make sure that happens. I also, council, you know, approved 
an additional five positions that we're still in the process of hiring too. So yeah, I, I think that's going to be an area to continue to to watch. So thank you. Any other questions or comments from council? No. Okay. As as Ms. Lane mentioned, this is a long process, and we've got plenty of opportunities to ask questions. It always seems like we're not engaged enough in the budget, but in reality, we just we just have such a, a good process of being able to dive deep that there's not a reason to ask all the questions at once. So I'd encourage you to email anything technical in to Ms. Terry. So staff can have a chance to present it and then we'll get the question matrix at the end. Thank you very much, Ms. Lane and Ms. Terry. And I believe we're on to study item eight, it was originally C, which is a discussion of ordinance number 971, authorizing a one-year extension to the right-of-way franchise. And I think Ms. Mr. Hammond is gonna join us uh, remotely for that. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I am trying to share. I don't know if I'm succeeding. It's hard for me to tell. You are. Your screen is shared. It's not on the presentation mode, but we can see the see the screen. Okay. Oh, there we, there go. we go. Yep. It's just so crazy. All right. Thank you for your patience, Council. Uh, good evening. My name is Jim Hammond. I'm Intergovernmental Relations Manager for the City of Shoreline in the City Manager's Office. And among my duties is uh, liaison with the various entities that require franchises to operate or run equipment through the city of Shoreline. Today, we're here to talk about Zipply, which provides um, uh, a couple of different services, but the one we're talking about today is its cable franchise. Uh, for all franchises, uh, a periodic uh, renewal is required. The maximum length of a franchise is 15 years. Uh, today for Zipply, we're talking only about cable. They also provide telephone services, but uh, their hardware for that service is regulated per state law and not through the city franchise system. The cable franchise, as detailed in the staff uh, report in support of this uh, discussion item uh, has indicated that there has been a significant decline in cable uh, subscribership to the extent that the current number of Zipply cable subscribers within the city of Shoreline is in the double digits, I believe, and 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 continuing to go down. Zipply needs to do more work um, internally to figure out what that means for their business and what it would mean for uh, the contours of a franchise agreement. Uh, the last franchise agreement was authorized in 2008. The 15-year clock runs out in 2023. Therefore, there is room for one final one-year extension uh, to allow Zipply to do the necessary work. And staff will work with Zipply to figure out a resolution so that there is a new franchise in place if that is required uh, by uh, one year from now in 2023. So with that, I will turn it over to you uh, for any questions that you might have. Questions or comments for Mr. Hammonds? No. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you, Mr. Hammond. This is, um, I, I have a question that I admit is gonna be a little goofy and um, a little off topic. And um, just thank you for your patience. I probably should have asked it earlier. It, it occurred to me at some point today that with this trend of cutting cables uh, and fewer subscribers, what happens to that if, if we someday have a day and age where people are no longer utilizing cable at all, what happens to all those dishes and cables, not dishes, but you know, cables, that infrastructure, that hardware that exists in our city? Um, maybe a, a question for another day, but it's a, it's a great question. I mean, like what happens to that? And if some, if a cable provider leaves, 
um, do they take their equipment with them? Or do we have cables in our city and in our airwaves and in our, you know, behind our houses for the rest of time? Um, it's a great question. And the answer is that each agreement provides that if they stop service, they have to come and pick up after themselves. So that, that equipment will go away. Thank you. Further questions or comments? Any opposition to seeing this on consent? No. Okay, Ms. Hammond, Mr. Hammond, I think we'll see this on consent in a couple of weeks. Great, you. thanks, good evening. All right, thank you. And I believe that concludes tonight's meeting and we are adjourned.